but it's so meaningful. And it's like with a mom or a parent, you think, well, you know, you aren't doing the best job. You know, you make mistakes. You know, you have regrets. But to your kid, they're just like, but you love me. Like, I know, but I'm still struggling. But it's just such a great reminder that we can be still and know that in the middle, we are loved, loved by God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that we can worship you and we thank you that you love us. Father, we pray specifically for those that did not have good relationships with their moms. We pray for your healing to take place. We pray for those that have struggled becoming moms, whether through a miscarriage or not being able to conceive. We pray that you would give great peace to them. We pray, Father, for those that have forfeited their right to be a mom. We ask for healing and that your grace would continue to be merciful and your forgiveness would be known. We thank you, Father, that you are here. Father, for those that would love to become a mom, we ask that they would continue to walk in your step, in your way, and you would just bless them with that promise. And Father, for the moms that we love that we know that means so much to us. We just say, encourage them today. We thank you, God, for the moms that you have given. We thank you, God, for the day that we can celebrate Mother's Day. We thank you, Jesus, because you care about everything we're going through. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And uh, again, Mother's Day, it's, um, well, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. For me, I always associated Mother's Day with how I grew up, and how I grew up was knowing I was adopted. And so from being an orphan to having a dad and mom, it was like really exciting. It's like, oh, this is good. Like Mother's Day is going to be good. And then you find out that some people did not like their moms, or they were abandoned by their moms, or did not have a relationship with their moms, or never knew their mom. And then they didn't celebrate Mother's Day. They actually took happy pills to go into a room by themselves and stay there all day because they could not face the reality that they did not have their mom there. And you're like, oh. So on Mother's Day, we do celebrate, but we understand what people have gone through and dealt with. So um, weirdest transition ever. But as we talk to that, Hey, be happy and cheerful in your giving. So uh, ties and offerings, you can give online. We do have the offering bags here as well. But as you know, that's uh, kind of what we do here as well. So happy Mother's Day. I just wanted to read this poem. The author is unknown, or at least according to Google, it's unknown. Maybe it's just made up. I think it's actually a real poem, but uh, we'll read it um, for you. There are times when only a mother's love can understand our tears, can soothe our disappointment and calm all of our fears. There are times when only a mother's love can share the joy we feel when something we've dreamed about quite suddenly is real. There are times when only a mother's faith can help us on life's way and inspire in us the confidence we need from day to day. From a mother's heart and a mother's faith and a mother's steadfast love were fashioned by the angels and sent from God above. And so we say, Happy Mother's Day. Preparing for Mother's Day, there was one or maybe two within our household that said, oh, Proverbs 31 again. Well, you were late. We already read Proverbs 31. So uh, I was like, no, let's find something else. And so as I was thinking, the first thought that came to mind was Samuel, because who was Samuel's mom? 
Hannah. My son is dating a Hannah, so that actually made it easy to remember. And so when I was trying to think about the story, I was like, oh, Hannah made a promise to God, and God actually blessed Hannah with the gift of Samuel. And Hannah followed through with that promise to God. And so I'm thinking, like, for a mom, like, hey, how many moms would follow through with their promise to God? And then God convicted me. It's like, hey, how do you do with your promises to me? Do you follow through? And I said, yeah, but it's Mother's Day. So let's address this to the moms. And so we are looking at 1 Samuel 1. There was a man named, okay, I'm going to mess up these names. Again, call the church landline phone and tell me the correct pronunciation of this. So there was a man named E who lived in Rama in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeraham, son of E, son of Tohu, son of Zuf of Ephraim. So that's a little background of this guy that we know is named. He is the husband of Hannah, but he is not only the husband of Hannah, he's, well, let me back up. This is an ancient story that has common day reality in the sense that ancient culture lived a certain way, but human nature is the same. Ancient culture lived in a certain way, but we are all the same. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Paniah. She had children, but Hannah did not. So the ancient culture said they had two wives. Am I saying, have two wives? It's in the Bible. No, I am not. I am not. I am not. I am not. And some would say, well, I don't want two wives. Well, that's good because you can't even keep one happy. So um, we're trying to say all this because in the culture, this was normal. This is not like how we apply it today. But Human nature is the same. Hannah did not. Each year they went to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of uh, heavens at the tabernacle. I made a joke this morning online. It made myself laugh, even though I'm sitting in front of a screen by myself. And I don't know if anybody's laughing. I don't even know if it's funny. But to me, it struck me funny. This is not saying only go to church once a year, even though they only traveled once a year to the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. What do we know about Eli's sons? Were they good or were they bad? Kathy even suggests they were evil. Scripture in the New Living Translation, chapter 2, says they were scoundrels. So the people in charge were scoundrels of the church. Don't point fingers. Hold your amens. This does happen some places. Hopefully not here. They were scoundrels that Eli the father put in charge. On the days that uh, they presented the sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife with children. And uh, though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. This again, in the ancient culture, reading the Bible, it can get confusing. It's not a contradiction. It's not something like, oh, you just put it on the shelf because you don't understand, but you just do a little bit more research. You attend a life group. You have a Christian friend you ask questions of, and it begins to make sense sense, but the point of the story is Hannah, again, was given no children by the Lord. What? 
the Lord in this text. They wanted you, they wanted us to understand the Lord had given her no children. The Lord had given her no children. In other places, other passages of scripture, they said so-and-so did not have any children, but this one is so specific, very specific. The Lord had given her no children. Why would God give you something or not give you something that you want? Because he has a plan, because something is going to take place in the future. So the one wife, human nature is the same, whether ancient culture is different or not. So the one wife that had children would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. We would taunt, make fun of, jealousy. Maybe there is a reason why you aren't supposed to have multiple wives. Maybe there is a reason why we're supposed to just focus on God so we can love our spouse only. Year after year, it was the same She would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears, it would not even eat. This is kind of, I don't know. It just makes me, sometimes Christians, we reduce people to tears and make them feel such anguish that they don't even want to eat. Yeah, but I'm standing for the truth of God, so they need to hear it. Do they need to hear it? with how you're saying it like so she had kids and that's great and that's to be celebrated but there's this uh, thought of jealousy there's this fact like i want to one-up the other person and hopefully we as a church do not reduce people to tears why are you crying hannah elkanah would ask this is hilarious you have to put yourself in the story and understand who is elkanah he's the husband why are you crying hannah Why aren't you eating? Why are you downhearted just because you have no children? Like these are legitimate questions. Just because you have no kids? Come on, why are you crying? But this cracks me up. You have me. Am I not better than having 10 sons? This is like, what are you talking about? Like this guy needs to go to some course where he learns like, even if you think it, you don't say it. Even in ancient culture, you don't say, hey, why are you so sad? Look, you look, you got me. You got me. And even though uh, Bethany knows she has me, like I would never say that to her. I would never say, why are you crying? You got me. This is like one of the most ridiculous, uh, unsmart comments that could be said. But I think sometimes we are like, well, why are you crying? You have me. It, it's okay. But if God puts something deep in your soul, in your core, deep within you that you want to birth, whether literally or figuratively, you have a vision from God, you have a mission, you have a purpose, you have something that God's calling you to, whether it's vocational ministry, whether it's volunteering, whether it's reaching out to the unwed mothers, whether it's caring for children, whether whatever it is, and God's given you this deep thing inside you, don't say, hey, it's just fine to come to church. No, say, well, let's unleash what God has given you and birth that. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting in the customary place beside the temple. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Crying bitterly. Who else cried bitterly? In the New Testament, Peter, because he betrayed Jesus. This is the depth of anguish she was feeling. 
And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. So I think I'm going to grow my hair back out. Is that okay, Mom, Dad? I'll get the cornrows, and they look pretty good. Jay did a good job. but um, So it's sticking with the Bible. But this is one of the times where people will look at the Bible and see something and say, hey, I'm going to do the same thing. And if then, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. If I win the lottery, then I'll give it to the church. If I get to do that, then I'll do But this came from a sincere place. This came from a place of understanding like God's will for her life that she could not explain, but she wanted to birth a son that could help Eli, that this Samuel could be chosen. He would be raised up. There is something deep within her core that she knew this if then was not for selfish gain, but because God wanted her to be used in this way of giving. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. So Eli's sons were scoundrels. Eli presumably had seen his sons who were in charge of the temple showing up drunk. He's like, what? I deal this with this with my sons. What are you doing in here drinking? Must you come here drunk? Throw away your wine. What's very curious, if you do a little research, you'll find that He's not saying, Scripture isn't saying, if you're drunk, don't come to church. If you're hungover, don't come to church. If you're uh, addicted, don't come to church. If you have this sin that you continually live in, don't come to church. He's saying, you need to come to church so God can heal you. But because of his, Samuel, Eli's experience with his sons, because of Eli's experience with his sons, he was quick to judge Hannah for being drunk instead of seeing that she might need Jesus to do something in her life. Maybe because you've had an experience, whether it's your children, maybe been hurt by the church, maybe it's somebody that professed to be a Christian, automatically you start to point fingers and you see things negatively instead of trying to see what can God do in this situation. So not looking at the specific situation, but looking at the larger Eli just thought she was drunk, and he was tired of it. He was fed up with it. And though he did not have the guts to take care of his sons, he was tired of seeing it in other people. That is convicting because there's times where I'm like, oh, I'm so tired of seeing that in you, but uh, I, I can put up with it in myself. There's this thought that we look at people at their actions, but we see ourselves for our intentions. We look at others for their actions. What did you just do? But for me, yeah, I did it, but I intend to change tomorrow. I'm really getting my stuff together to work on it. We look at other people for their actions, but ourselves at it for our intentions. And how ridiculous is that? Eli was looking at Hannah with the disapproval of his own sons. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. That makes me laugh. Or anything stronger. But I'm very discouraged and was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of a great anguish and sorrow. In that case, as I mentioned this morning at the 630 online, there's been probably two times in my life where I felt like God gave me the answer to somebody's 
prayer or to a request. There's only been two times. I'm 47. I haven't been a pastor all that time, but over 20 years of vocational ministry, two times in over 20 years where I felt like God gave me an answer. Eli heard from God. If you look and if you study, it wasn't just like, oh, I got to say something nice, something I came back. But he said, in that case, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. What you've been praying for, it's going to happen. First of all, it needs to be God telling me, say that. Even if it is God, I want to say, it seems to me it might be God, but it might be me. I don't want to go out on a limb and say, hey, God's going to grant you the request. But Eli said this to Hannah that could not eat, could not sleep. She was filled with sorrow. She was filled with tears. She was filled with anguish. And after she heard from the prophet, after she heard from the priest, after she heard through the man of God, she said, oh, thank you, sir. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Sometimes we seek affirmation through people, which is okay. But once we seek or find affirmation through Scripture, through what God says, we can go with great strength. We can go with courage. We can go understanding that God has a plan for our lives. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. In due time, she gave birth to a son. God remembered her prayer. God remembered how he spoke to Eli and gave her the promise. It would happen. God will grant you the request. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. This is where you can celebrate. This is where you're like, hey, we're going home. This is a great story. This is amazing. This is the if that happens. But then there's the then. Now, unfortunately, most of us know the ending of this story. But what you didn't. What, what would you do? Okay. I promise if God gave me a son, I'd give him to the Lord. But does that mean... When they're 12, does that mean when they're 18? Does that mean when they graduate uh, from their master's program? When, when does that mean, like, I give him from my heart? Or does it mean I give him literally to the Lord? The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to sacrifice to the Lord to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. He was still young, little. He was still nursing. Then I will keep him to the tabernacle and I'll leave him there with the Lord permanently. What? You have this baby you've been praying for, you've been just waiting for, you've just been desiring. Now you have it and you're just going to give him up? You aren't just giving him up. She was giving him to the Lord. Whatever you think is best. How many of us husbands and I have like, eh, whatever you think is best, like, you don't want to go? Fine. Like, oh, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, or maybe I spent too much time this past week in pastors' meetings with primarily uh, males as pastors, and they were just kind of silly. The stuff we say, you're like, well, you know I'm joking. You know that's off the record. And I'm like, uh, maybe we shouldn't be saying it at all, because some of you I don't trust, and you probably shouldn't trust me, because that's such a dumb thing. I'll probably share it at church, but I have not yet. Stay here uh, for now, and may the Lord help you and keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along three, a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. They had to bring a sacrifice. This was before Jesus. 
paid the sacrifice. We don't have to do animal sacrifices anymore. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying for the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. She followed through. Do you think... See, I always had this story or imagination, like when I was abandoned, adopted, left on the doorsteps of a police station, found out the orphanage that uh, they just knocked on the door and ran away and left. And I think it was Bethany or Jay or something. Like, say, you, maybe when they left you, like the biological mom, she was filled with tears and crying, but knew it was something better. It's like, oh, I've never thought about that. Like, I just, I'm here in the U.S. Like, this is a pretty good life. I'm a Vermonter. Like, this is good. And like, But you think back about how you came to be. What was your parent processing? What were the steps that took place so God could be used in such a special way to bring this fulfillment? Just think about Eli, who had two sons that were scoundrels. They were evil. They were selfish. They did not reflect the truth of Jesus. And now for Eli, he's getting this baby, he, well, this boy that he can raise in the church. He can raise to become who he always wanted his sons to be. He's getting another opportunity to see where he made mistakes, to see what needed to be done. What if we looked at these opportunities that God gives us with great thanksgiving, with thankfulness, and we have more empathy and understanding from the humble beginnings. Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. And yes, that probably does mean the other wife. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. What would it take for you, mom, on Mother's Day? What would it take for you, Christian, on this Sunday? What would it take for you, person, to say, no one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides God. There is no one that I want to devote my life to. I'm not going to say, God, if you do this, then I'm going to do something else. But I ask out of selfish motivation. We just know that God wants to reach the lost. I still am stuck on this soapbox. I still am compelled by this thought. If God is telling us, the church, to care for the unborn, then are you willing, at whatever age you are, to adopt that child that the parent doesn't want? Are you, are we as a church willing to reach into someone's life that is filled with addiction and they know, and that's why they're saying we want to abort the baby because we can't raise this child in this addictive climate. Oh, are you willing to say that we will reach into that family, whether through uh, foster care or whatever way to lift them up, to nurture, to be there for them? Are we willing as a church to reveal the grace that God's given us to other people that they would know that we care for them not just if they show up on Sunday. There's an individual that attends our church on, on occasion, and they've just received a relative's child because of this very situation. And I said, hey, we can give you money. And then just my thought of 
we cannot answer every question from the church by saying, well, we'll give you money. We'll give you money. We'll give you, we're, we are no better than those that we point fingers out. How can we get involved in people's lives to say, you look tired. You need a day off. Or how can we offer a parenting class or something that encourages people? How can we get involved in people's lives where they know that we aren't just out to get them saved, but we can let them know that they are loved and that they are cared for? How is we as a church can pray this prayer that Hannah prayed, known as holy like the Lord. He's the one in charge. He's the one that's given life. He's the one that has us on mission. There's no one besides him. There's no rock. There's no foundation. There's no security like our God. How will the world know? This is what we believe if we do not begin to reach out and follow up the if with a then, with a commitment completely devoted to Jesus. I don't know how, I just know we need to. And I know we as a church, as a body of Christ, you with your ideas and uh, others with their experience, we can come together and people would know us for our love because that's who Jesus is. And on this Mother's Day, if I was not loved by my mom, I know my dad would love me, but if I was not loved by my mom, it would not be complete. There'd be something disconnected. And I love how Jesus has us as a church, the body. One fills one place, one fills another, and they intertwine. And we're brought together, and we can encourage each other. And if you're having a bad day, there's somebody, hopefully, that's having a good day. And if everybody's having a bad day, then we have our hope as the rock of Jesus, the foundation. He's the one that compels us stronger together over and over. We have the joy of him, and we understand that he is for us, and he loves us. And so we can celebrate who Jesus is, even when and you, I am having a bad day. Even if you perhaps have scoundrels as children, God is giving us other opportunities to give him to different students, different children. And he's bringing other Christians into those scoundrels' lives that they might know him because he's willing that none would perish, but that all would know his forgiveness, his healing, and his freedom. So perhaps we stop pointing fingers and we start giving more hugs. Maybe you don't want to give a hug, so you just want to give a fist bump. Or We need to be intentional that we spend time with people, that they might know that God is the rock and there is no one holy like our Savior. Won't you stand as we close? Father, we thank you that you love us, and we thank you that this proposition can be unnerving. We um, often look at our own time as very sacred, as very personal, as what we want to do or what we need. But God, let us hear your voice that we might see what you're birthing within each of us, within the local church, within this community, and be used of you to, to reach out and to give the lost to you and to be used of you, that they might know your salvation. Father, we thank you that we are no longer slaves, but we can do things out of freedom because we simply love you back. We thank you, Father, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.
As we close, I'm going to move these flowers to this table. Feel free to take one and take two. Uh, there are also flowers. They're yellow. I don't know what kind there are that uh, Joy brought, and uh, you can take those as well. But all that said, we say Happy Mother's Day. We celebrate you, but even more, we celebrate what God is birthing within each of us, that others would know him and know his freedom. With that, we'll close with this song. You can feel free to get up and leave or listen However you would like to, you are dismissed. Well, let me get through these slides. There it is. You unravel me with 